Great. Well, we're looking at um, this morning at Exodus 34. And the next few times um, that I speak, that's what we're going to be uh, looking at. And uh, we're, uh, we're asking the question, uh, what's God like? And uh, I don't know if you've ever asked that, that question, but um, we, of course there's hundreds of opinions around, aren't there? Uh, I guess most people, because uh, atheism is actually kind of a bit out of fashion, but um, I, I know there are aggressive people that are atheists. It's actually one, one point something percent of the world population that says there is, there is no God. But most people are a bit vague about what he might be like, aren't they? And uh, they kind of say, he's a force or there's something uh, it's usually something rather than a someone, but there's kind of something out there. We believe there's something, or and most people actually, e- even atheists, um, 60% of atheists pray when they're in trouble, which I can't quite work out. Really, it's a bit illogical, isn't it? But but kind of when you're in trouble, you, you hope there's someone there. If only to get you out of trouble, then you can ignore ignore him again. But um, that's the kind of thing. But uh, so what's what's God like? And um, Really, the people of God, if you can imagine the story, they're, they're in Egypt at the time this is set. So I don't know if you can, it depends how good your imagination is. If you can imagine that you're living, what, about 1,500 BC and you're a slave, then you've got a good imagination. But that's, that's kind of when this was, uh, was set. And uh, someone, you, you're in slavery, you, you remember that you're... Your forebear, there was a forebear called Abraham, and he was an idol worshipper in somewhere near modern Iran and Iraq. Uh, loads of gods. And then a god appeared to him and said, well, I, 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 I'm the strongest god. I'm El Shaddai. I, I'm, the, I'm the strongest god, so go and find a country. So Abraham trots off with no route map, just trusting this god that's appeared to him. Uh, so you kind of heard about your great, great, great Abraham, guy, uh, but you don't know a lot more. And then another great, great, great called Joseph, he, he rescued the family. It was only a family. It went off into Egypt because there was, there was food there uh, uh, because of Joseph. A long, long story. And, and, and so you know the story. You've become, this family have now become a kind of ethnic group. They're not a nation yet, they're, but they're a group. They know that, that those were their ancestors, but they don't know much about this God. It's kind of, well, great, 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 great. It's like Debbie's done some, you know, ancestry stuff. So you know that great, 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 he lived in West Wales and he was a policeman, but you don't know anything about him. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. You know, you've done your DNA tests and you know that you've you got a bit of, you know, Eastern European blood in there and someone else was a Viking once. Or, but you don't know what they're like. And it was a bit like that for them. They, they were a group and they kind of knew that Abraham's God is our God, but they didn't know what he was like. And then, and then this guy Moses turns up and says, that, that, that God's appeared to me. I said, well, well what, what God? Well, the God of Abraham, that God. And if you do this and if you do that, you come out of slavery. Whoopee! So, that, so they do what they're told, and then amazingly, they come out of slavery. Slavery? <laughs> slavery. <laughs> the Red Sea opens, they go, they go through that, and then this God that they don't really know, he starts kind of miraculously providing for them and they get, come out of the tent in the morning and there's, I don't know what manna looked like, kind of, I don't know, rice krispies on the floor. Uh, and they're, they're, um, they're, this, this God's providing for them, he's rescued them, but they don't know what he's like. And, and Moses prays this prayer, it says, God, show me, show me your glory. What, and what he's saying is, your glory is kind of, it's a, we feel it's a religious word, but he's saying, Show me what you're like. Show me your beauty. What, what, show me who you are. I don't know if you've got a thirst to know what God's like or, or not. 
But what is God like? Is he strict? Is he easygoing? Is he kind? Or is he cruel? Is he frowning at you this morning? Or is he smiling at you this morning? Uh, there was a guy called A.W. Tozer, who's a very good writer, a, a Christian man, and he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a, it's a really interesting quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's more important than your ethnicity or your education or, or your gender or your family budget or, or all of those things. But, uh, what, well, why is it so important? Well, what, what you think, what you worship kind of shapes you. It, it does shape you. It, if you think God is kind of easygoing, liberal, progressive, then you'll become easygoing, liberal, progressive. Or if you, or maybe, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the God you're believing is just a bit like you. Maybe a bit bigger, but um, do you see what I mean? Do you think, if you think God's ultra strict and mad at the world, then you're likely to become ultra strict, <laughs> mad at the world, and be kind of religious bigger, really. And see, you become like what you worship, but the other side of the coin is there's a danger that we reshape God to be like us. There's a lot, there's a lot of that about it. If, if you find that God never disagrees with you or disturbs what you're doing, you've probably made him in your own image. That's a thought, isn't it? Idolatry's not out of fashion after all in the West. We, we make a God that's just, he agrees with us. It's rather convenient, really. Isn't he? He's there to help us when things go belly up. But he doesn't inconvenience us in the meantime because he's just like us. It may just be that we're more idolatrous than we thought, that we've kind of created God in our own image. So beware if God always agrees with you. Um, Debbie loves Coldplay. The, the, for, the, for those who are not educated and musical, yeah, that's a band, OK? Anyway, Debbie Deb likes Coldplay. The, the, uh, Chris Martin, very clever, creative guy, in an interview with the Rolling Stone magazine, he, he said he, he left church because, he, and this is a quote, I couldn't believe in a God that would limit sex to one man and woman for life. Now, now what's interesting about that isn't particularly that a rock star wants lots of sex, because that's not a deep shock, is it? Let's face it, we live in the real world. That's, since there have been rock stars, that's the thing. So that's not, that's not the shock. What, what's, the, what's the interesting thing to me is this. Here's a person, and most people are like this really, is he thinks what he thinks about God is how God ought to be. And if God isn't what he thinks God ought to be, then he's not going to believe in him. Do, do, do you see the kind of... what? Now, now, I'm not getting at Chris Martin, because that's just actually, actually that's normal. But what, why should God think like us? Do you, do you see what's going on here? It's actually, that, that's just totally wrong. God is how God is. He's not interested in shaping himself to what I think. Why should he? He made me. God is how God is. And our thoughts about him don't determine what he's like. He just is as he is. And the Bible starts like this. We don't know what God's like, but we can learn as he reveals himself. That's the Bible position, is you don't know what God's like. You've got to be like Moses and say, Lord, show me what you're like, because I don't know. I don't really know. Naturally, I don't know. And my danger is I'll make you out to be a bit like me, but bigger. No, we don't know what God's like, but we can know. 
as he reveals himself. And here, God reveals himself. He passes by. So Exodus 34, he passes by. Verse 5 says, The Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with Moses, and proclaimed his name, or we would say his nature. Proclaim what he was like. He said, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents, the third and fourth generation. And Moses bound down to the ground at once and worshipped. If you really see what God's like, that's what you do. A lot of people think, when I see God, I'm going to ask him about this, that and the other. Actually, you won't. When, when you see God, you're going to bow down and worship because he's awesome. That's what's really going to happen. So we'll unpack some of those in sermons to come uh, if we're all still alive. That's what we do. So, um, but anyway, the bit I want to look at is just the first bit. There's God, God, God you know, it says of Moses that, that he would speak face to face. What an amazing thing to have God speak face to face to you. And uh, so Moses pray, prays, show me your glory. Show me, show me something of your presence and your beauty. And God said to him, it's in um, Exodus 33, verse 20, no one can see me and live. In other words, if, if you saw the full glory of God, you couldn't survive it. I don't know if any of you remember the Indiana Jones film, where I mean, it's all made up, but it, when he looks inside the ark, a baddie looks inside the eye and he kind of, his head explodes. But he couldn't, he couldn't stand it. I know it's a bit weird, but, but that's the kind of thing God's saying. You couldn't stand, but I'll just show you, I'll show you something of what I'm like. And that's what he does in this passage. And it's, these verses are one of the few places where God describes himself. You know, when you, when you, if you apply for uni, you have to put a kind of personal statement. This is a bit like God's personal statement. It's him saying, this is what I'm like. Some scholars think it's the most quoted bit in the Bible. All sorts of people quote it. David quotes it. Jeremiah, Jonah, Nahum, Nehemiah. They all, they all directly quote it. But there's also hundreds and hundreds of repeats of compassionate and gracious Hundreds and hundreds in the Psalms, or love and faithfulness. That, those little couplets, they're repeated all through the scriptures. Now, when, when theologians start describing God, they, they start, they're a bit philosophical, these, some of these theologians. They start with he's all powerful, he's all present, he's all knowing. Uh, but that's not where God describes, it's not where God himself starts. He starts with a name. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That where it says the Lord, the capital L O capital O, capital R, capital D, that, that, that's, that's how people have, have written it down in translation. But, but he starts with his name and then his character, that he's gracious and compassionate and slow, slow to anger and so on and so forth. We'll look at those in subsequent weeks. But um, it, it makes sense to talk about your character. See, if you said to me, what, what's Debbie? What's your wife like? You, you could ask me that. And I, I, could, I could just say, she's Welsh, she's five foot seven, and she's got brown eyes. Now that, that would be true, but it's not really what Debbie's like, is it? It's not, that, you know, you, you could say, oh yeah, look at her. I could get her to stand up and do a 12, but I won't. But uh, she, that, she's true, she is Welsh, she is five foot seven, she has got brown foot. That's all true, but it's not really what she's like. It isn't. 
Now, what God starts work with is, is his name, Yahweh, the Lord. That's how it's translated. Starts with a name. Do you know, God has a personal name. We often call God, God. Because he is, he is God. But, but, but no, God has a personal name. And I, I want to stress that because it's so important. Because in the Bible, your, your name is your identity. They reveal something of your nature. So Abraham meant exalted father, for example. Uh, and God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. That was his destiny. It was who he was. is what he's going to be, a new identity. And his wife, Sarai, was renamed Sarah, which means princess. Nice to be renamed princess. Isn't that? It's quite cool. Or Jacob. Jacob's name meant heel grabber, which means he, he trips people up. He's deceitful. He's a cheat. Not a very... Who'd give their name? Actually, a lot of people call their name. Anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> Sorry if you're Charles Jacob. I don't mean to be rude. Um, but he was renamed Israel, which means he struggles with God. He, he interacts with God. So when God says, I'll reveal my name, he's saying, I'll reveal what I'm really, really like. Up to this point, Abraham has been told he's El Shaddai, the most powerful God, because he'd lived in Ur, modern Iraq, and he'd lived amongst tons of gods. And so it was important, he knows, actually, the one I'm speaking to you, I'm God, I'm the most powerful God. Oh, okay, I'll do what you tell me then. And then he, when he introduces himself to Moses at the burning bush, he says, oh, who are you? I'm the God of your father, Abraham. And, and Moses says, but who are you? And, and he just says, well, I am who I am. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> There's not much information. Tell, tell them I sent you. Tell them I am. I am could be translated always or unchanging. That's, that's who, who got it. But it's a personal name. It's not a fact. It is a fact about God, but it's a personal name. Whatever God is, he is all the time. I love that about God. I don't know if you know people that are kind of inconsistent. I'm one of them, but try not to be. We're all a bit inconsistent, aren't we? But isn't it lovely when, you, when you've got a friend that you know what they'll be like? They're, con they're just consistent. What they're like is what they're like all the time. You can, we say things like, you can count on him. He's always faithful. He's always ready to help. He's always ready to listen. That, can, Yahweh, our God, is always the same. That's wonderful, isn't it? God, God is not going to listen to you one week and not listen to you the next week. He's not going to support you one week and then say, ah, gone off him. He's not, he's not going to do that. He's not going to say, oh, I'm a bit tired today, I can't be bothered. Gone off listening to prayers. He's never like, he's, he's Yahweh, he's always the same. Aren't you pleased? So if God is compassionate, which we'll look at in, in subsequent weeks, then he's always compassionate. That's a blessing, isn't it? If he's gracious, he's gracious all the time. If he's slow to anger, he's slow to anger consistently. See, God is reliable. So much around us is unreliable, isn't it? You, you trust in the in, 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 interest rate on your ISA? Well, that's, how's that going for you? <laughs> Life, life's unstable, shifting sands. God never shifts. He's the same. He never lies. He's true to his character. And Yahweh, the word Yahweh, bit technical now, it's the same root as I am. When God says, 
I am, we would say you are, and that's Yahweh. So it's kind of like, like the answer. It's, for those who are into grammar, it's first person and third person. Yeah, yeah, he's Yahweh, he's always unchanging God. Great to have a God whose name is always. His name is not unreliable. He's, he's not, his name is not, uh, sometimes, his name is not iffy. His name is Yahweh. He's always. And do you know, over the years, Israel became so scared of misusing his name, they stopped saying it. So often they just, they use the name Adonai, which means Lord. And, and, and where, where Yahweh, they, they were so scared of misusing it, they missed the vowels out. They just put J-H, however you spell Yahweh. They just put three initials down. And then, then later when the Bible was translated, it was translated as we have it with capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which, which is fine, but, but it, easily we forget that God is personal. Don't we? That becomes, oh, he's up there somewhere. And, and the danger of that is it makes us become like numbers. Isn't it? God, God's, God's, he's, up, he's kind of running the universe somewhere. He can't be interested in me. He's, he's got more important things than my prayers. No, actually, God is person. He's, 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 not, he's not like us. He's not just kind of a big person, he, but he is a person. He's personal. It's really important, you know that, because it affects, as we'll see, it affects a lot. It affects how you pray, how you relate to him, and all that kind of thing. Having a name is important. God is not a title. President of the universe. Now that, that's not, he, he is president of the universe, but, he, but he's much more than that. He's a person. He's not, you know, Debbie's not the wife. He's not, she you must be obeyed, her indoors. He's not, that's not it. It's not a title. It's a personal name. To, see, to my kids, I'm dad. To my grandkids, because I couldn't say grandpa, I'm bumper. Uh, but, but to the doctor's receptionist, I'm Mr. Thomas. To, to my friends, I'm Richard or Rich. Do you, do you see? It's a personal thing. There's intimacy in a name. So I've taken quite a long time to say that, but it's really important. So what difference does it make? Well, here's one thing. We're coming up for Christmas and we remember the incarnation. John, John 1 verse 14, probably, probably might read it out of the carol service, I don't know. And it says this, the word became flesh and we've seen his glory. Now that, that's a direct echo of this passage in Exodus. Mo, what did Moses say? Show me your glory. And, and the speaking God came and spoke his name. And here John's echoing that. He's saying, do you know what? That, that God who spoke, he's become flesh. That's the miracle of Christmas. This God, Yahweh, he's come to earth and he's shown us what he's like. So when you read Matthew, Mark or Luke or John, you read those stories, that's God, Yahweh, the almighty creator. It's Yahweh saying, hey, this is what I'm like. So here's a suggestion. Have a read of one of the gospels, Luke or Mark or whatever you want, and say, hey, Jesus is the human coming to earth of Yahweh. He's a personal God, the incarnation. So, so people saw what God was like. Now that's important because I tell you what people tend to think. They tend to think this Old Testament God, he's a bit harsh, but in the New Testament he mellowed. Have you ever thought like that? He kind of mellowed a bit, but 
No, no, that's a misunderstanding of the Old Testament God and, and the New Testament God, because he's God, he's Yahweh, he's always the same. Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever the same. But Jesus is the human showing of God. He's full, and you look at Jesus, what's he like? He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. Occasionally he got angry, but you had to provoke him. And he comes to fully show us what God is like. So in, in Jesus, you see the beauty of God. Jesus, he's, he's perfect theology. He's God in the flesh. So have a read of a gospel and, and wonder that God has shown his glory more fully to us than he did to Moses. So we can read the stories of God walking this earth, interacting with us, seeing what he's like. So the incarnation is one, one kind of Thing that I want to just underline. God is personal. He wants a relationship and he's shown what he's like in the person of Jesus. Here's the second one, intimacy. Because he's personal, not, he's not energy, he's not a force. He's, Christianity is not primarily a religion. Religion is people's attempt to get to God. Christianity is faith in the person of Jesus, being a follower, an apprentice of him. And what I want us to see is this, he wants to relate to us. Jesus wants to relate to us. He wants to converse. He wants to response. He wants to be with us. He's a personal God. Now, you know, people talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. That's not jargon. It's not a type of church. All, the, all this stuff about personal relationship. No, he really loves to have a personal relationship. He's got a personal name. Yahweh has come to earth and his name is Jesus. And thirdly, it makes a difference when it comes to intercession. Three eyes. Sorry about that. Incarnation, intimacy, intercession. He wants a personal relationship. And one of the ways we have a personal relationship is to have a conversation. Moses talked to God face to face. You can talk to him too. We can talk to God. I know this is kind of simple, but it's also profound, I believe. He wants to respond to us. In, around this prayer in Exodus, uh, God got cross with the people and Moses was able to talk to God and beg God not to, not to destroy the people. And do you know what it says? It says, God repented. God repenting? Well, he never sins. What it means is God changed his mind. That's a funny thing to think of, isn't it? What it means is God's dealing with us are relational. They're kind of elastic there's flexibility. He, there's a to and fro that God wants with us. When was the last time you had a to and fro with God? That you can talk to him because he's personal and he relates. You can say, Lord, I'm really worried about this. And what do you think about that? And I just want to bring this to you. And this has troubled my mind. And can I speak to you about this? Blaise Pascal was a French philosopher and, and mathematician. He said this, in prayer, we are invited to join him in directing the cause of his world. That's a great quote, isn't it? I think so, anyway. In prayer, we're invited to join him in directing the cause of his world. So this is the first part of a, of a number of parts where we'll just look at this passage. But I think it's wonderful, isn't it? God has got a name. He's personal. He's always the same. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I don't come to him in prayer and find that he's gone on holiday. Left, left an answer phone thing for us. Send an email like you do to the GP nowadays. It's not like that at all. He's personal. 
And he's come to show us what he's like in the person of Jesus. In trouble? Are you having trouble over there? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't mind. She's a baby. It's what they do. <laughs> he's come to has shown us what he's like, and he invites us to interact with him. So, so this week, let's not let, let's not be people that have the label Christian and a God that's up there somewhere, but then we live like everyone else. No, no, no. Let's. Let's know he's a personal God. He's come and revealed himself as Jesus and he's got a name and he wants to interact with us. What will you interact with him about this week? Just as we finish now, just have a think. If he's personal and I can talk to him, if he's always the same, what what am I going to talk to him about this week? When when am I going to, put it another way, when am I going to meet him? Anything in the diary? He, He loves to meet with us. So let me just pray for us and then we'll, we'll finish there. I'll hand back to Jonathan. Lord, we, if, we've, um, if we've kind of invented a, a figment in our mind of you that's just a bit like us but bigger, then Lord, we, we're really sorry. We, we, we don't want to be idolatrous in that way. We want to worship you as you are. Thank you that you've revealed yourself. You revealed yourself to Moses and you revealed to us yourself to us supremely in the person of Jesus. Thank you that we're not left to wonder, to invent you, to puzzle out what you're like because you've shown us in the person of Jesus. And thank you that you invite us into a personal relationship. Lord, forgive us if we've neglected that I pray that this week we will have interaction with you, that we can join you, bring you all our troubles, our concerns, but join with you in conversation about what's going on in the world, what's going on in the church, things we're troubled about in the nation. Thank you that you haven't left us to wonder what you're like, but you've revealed yourself to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.